Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings, slither in place, because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the Snakebird Podcast. Today's discussion leads us to asking a question everyone has to answer for themselves at some point in their lives. What happens when you die? That's right. Today's topic is one of those top 10 questions that everybody asks at some point. You know, like, how did we get here? Why is the sky blue? Is Bigfoot real? And what happens when you die? <laughs> so I'm excited to get into this topic. Um, but I do definitely want to preface this episode by saying put your seatbelts on. Because in this episode, we're going to touch on um, what the Bible says, as well as what doctors, scientists, and even quantum mechanics says about this topic. While our main topic is what happens when we die, the conversation will likely drift into many different realms, including the paranormal. You know, I think that's a pretty good disclaimer, because this is something that's been shrouded in mystery, and I think it will be all the way up until the moment we take our last breath and step out into eternity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, The world definitely has several answers available, some that are pretty wild, but the Bible also has some definitive and direct statements regarding this all-important subject. I do want to say that some of this that we're going to talk about, it delves into a spiritual realm that sometimes we don't really fully understand. And so we're just going to kind of go, okay, okay. You know, at times (laughs) we'd rather err on the side of grace. And instead of judging and going like, well, I don't believe your story. You know, sometimes we're just like, you know, God is, is big. And, and a lot of times, you know, maybe somebody saw something and unless scripture would not coincide with it, then it's hard to, to just totally um, write that off. That's true. You know, growing up, I always had these, uh, I don't know if it was necessarily taught this way, or I just had pre, uh, what's the word? I just, I just automatically believed it. Some presumptions. Presumptions. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Josh. Um, but presuppositions. I, yeah, pre- I was going to say that, okay. but I was like, is this the context? <laughs> All right. Yeah. Presuppositions about what happens because the Bible does talk about it, but there's a lot of areas where, where there's some things that could be left up in the air. Yeah. So, and there is a lot of thoughts. I mean, I've heard people say, well, I'll sleep when I'm dead. And I'm like, will you? (laughs) (laughs) Or not. Or not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I've heard this and I'll, when we do our uh, episode on, on evolution and stuff, I'll say this again, but I've heard it said that the Bible is the book of God's words and science is the book of God's works. And so today we're going to be kind of on the razor's edge of a little bit of that because we got some science and we've got God's word and sometimes there's gray areas. Yeah. Yeah. And no matter what, I feel like this is a very important topic because it deals with eternity. Yeah, absolutely. Which is like the most important thing. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. So uh, where should we start? Well, we should probably start with the scripture side of it. Okay. Um, I've got, I know, several verses that just kind of speak of death. And uh, I know that I want to kind of talk about our current condition and why uh, why we long to be on the other side and whatnot. Do you want me to go ahead and jump into that, Yeah, Josh? that sounds great. Okay. So, listener, if you got your Bible, um, in 2 Corinthians 5, 2 through 5, um, Paul lays this, and I'll just go ahead and read it right here. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, 
not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, as we see here, Paul uses tents and houses to describe our earthly and heavenly bodies. And the way he lays it out is really fascinating to me because he says, while we're in this tent, we groan being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed. And I can't help but think of being clothed in Christ. You know, we've heard this and we discussed this a little bit in our episode, Dress for the Test, the ideas and uh, importance of being clothed correctly. But the thing that just intrigues me is this concept of not just symbology, but the literal process of believers being the willing host of which the nature and spirit of God is transforming us by the renewing of our mind. Hmm. So um, the predicament for believers is that we're stuck in this body, the shell, until God calls us home. And, And Paul's describing this groaning within a believer because we long to be in our new dwelling, our new body. Mm. And so uh, that's ju- that's our current condition, and that leads us into our topic, I think, of, of what happens after we die. Yeah. You know, you reminded me of that C.S. Lewis quote that says, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Oh, I love that quote. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, and he's like, hey, I've looked for everything that can fulfill. And he goes, if I find that nothing in this world fulfills, then it must be something else. Yeah. That's the older version of God-shaped hole. Yes. (laughs) Which I like his version a lot better. Yeah. And it's a real thing. It it makes a lot of sense. It does. You know, continuing off what you were just saying about being clothed, I couldn't help but think of two different things. First and foremost, I was thinking of what wants to be clothed. And to me, that has to deal with recognizing who we are as a person. And that's breaking down the fact that we are body, soul, and spirit. And when God created us, he gave us a soul and that soul is eternal. And and I think we have to realize that um, from the moment that we're conceived, we're actually going to live forever. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with death is that you don't get multiple times on this go around. It's one and done. And the way that you live and the choices you make are going to cement your choice for eternity. And we can talk about that. But I mean, this is what it's been about is doing research for this. And thinking about being clothed, one of the things that I believe Paul was wanting is he was saying, listen, I got a tent. I want a house. And he doesn't refrain from talking about that a ton because he starts mentioning a resurrection body. And to me, that gets really exciting because he talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not the first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. I like that, because God talks about, let us form man from the dust. Yeah. And it says, the second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are made of dust. That's us. As is the heavenly man, 
so also are those who are heavenly. That's what's to come. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. We are headed towards a resurrection body that's going to be similar to Jesus's. And I'm really excited about that because we see, and we've talked about this in the past, some of the things that he was able to do, like, yeah. you know, walk through walls and yeah. um, eat, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and we don't know if we're going to have any constraints on ours, you know, but yeah. um, the Bible just said in, in first Corinthians, it's like, Hey, if he had this and we're going to be made of essentially the same stuff, yeah. then I can only imagine what it's going to be like. No kidding. It reminds me of something that uh, John Bunyan says, because it says, we do not know all that much about the state of our resurrected bodies. If after that you desire to know more concerning this house, I'll put that in quotations, I can but give you the advice that was given by John Bunyan in a similar case. One asked of Honest John a question which he could not answer, for the matter was not opened so much in God's word. And therefore, Honest John bade his friend to live a godly life, go to heaven, and see for himself. That's what that's that's what Spurgeon said about um, about John Bunyan. Nice, I like that. So let me ask you this, Josh: Is that state your soul or spirit? <laughs> so, were you ready to go there yet? No, let's let's go. <laughs> okay. So that's your soul. Your soul is what the Bible calls your psyche. Yeah. And that is your emotions, your thoughts. It's what makes you up. And mm-hmm. so we are uh, of three natures, our body, our soul, and our spirit. Yeah. And so our soul is like our consciousness. It's, it's our inner monologue. And then our spirit is the immaterial thing that actually connects us with God. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me because I think of walking in the spirit you talk about that connection between you and God. Yeah. That's almost something separate than your eternal soul. Yes. Um, and we even hear, I think it's in like first Peter, the, the prophets who had the spirit of Christ in them. Yes. It's this, this lifeline, spiritually speaking, between you and God. Yeah. And we find that they're conceptually connected, but they're also separable. You think about um, Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful, able to separate both soul and spirit. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so... And there's there's people who kind of get into arguments over that, aren't there? Because there's some people that think that there's just uh, soul and then the body, right? Is yes. That, is that how they think? Yeah. It's a long debated topic. It is. But um, yeah, there's... Man, it's intriguing, isn't it? It is. It really is. And then you think about it from the spiritual side, Jesus in John chapter four says, God is spirit and those who desire to worship must worship him in spirit and in truth. Yeah. And so, I mean, and then there even is a verse that, um, the trichotomy, that's what would be the three parts that we talk about is representative in first Thessalonians five twenty three. It says, um, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they're all different words. So yeah. some theologians would argue that that is actually what they call scriptural redundancy, where it's like, oh, soul and spirit were just, they were just trying to make sure that you understood those were together. Yeah. And yet I still believe that they're separate. It's the psyche and then the pneuma, that's the spirit and the psyche is the soul. I think I land on that too. Yeah. It's, and it's, you know, and I say, I think, because there is gray area. 
Yes, yeah. there's a lot. For instance, I mean, I've heard certain Christians say, um, you know, like in Luke 16, it shows us the story of Lazarus and the rich man. We're yes. communicating across we're, the chasm. We're gonna we're gonna come at that real quick. Okay, here. well, I think of that, and I've I've, I've heard him say, well, it, that that verse is proof that you can't this and that, and then, but yet we got Samuel's ghost in First Samuel 28. Yeah, that comes back. Yeah, and so I, I, I see these gray areas, and I'm just like half of me, my mind's blown, and the other half, I want to go down the rabbit hole, and, <laughs> which we're going to. <laughs> yes, there are a lot of gray areas, especially when you talk about something so important as like spiritual realms and ghosts and things, and and a lot of times I would say, well, ghosts don't exist, and then you find one that kind of existed in the Bible. And so how do you, how do you, um, I guess, balance that or, you know, reconcile that. And, and again, that's where we come to some of these spiritual realm things. And we say, well, we don't always know, Yeah, but we have to filter it through what scripture says. And and if Samuel was able to come back to the witch of Endor, which even then she was, I still always hold on to the fact that she was surprised that it worked. Yeah. You know, because I think she was a charlatan. Yes. You know, so. Well, she um, got it to work, didn't she? She did. (laughs) (laughs) Even if she stumbled on it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and and speaking of eternity, um, which has to do with what we were just talking about with souls, whether we believe that we're a dichotomy, just a body and soul, or whether we believe that we're a trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit, the Bible says so much about eternity. And and that's why we believe that we're going to live forever. Because Hebrews 9.27, when we talk about what happens after death, it said, it's appointed for men to die once, and after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. And then you think of another verse that talks about eternity, and this is in Matthew. And I won't read the whole thing, but I'll read certain parts of it. It says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on a throne of glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on His right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then, skipping some verses, then he will also say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And I don't like skipping verses there because it talks about um, meeting the needs of the poor and the hungry and the destitute. And they said, when did I not do that for you? And he said, uh, when you did it for the least of these. Mm. And then the goats said, well, when did we, we never saw you hungry or thirsty or, or poor. And he goes, you never did it for the least of these. And, yeah. and we can see that if we don't uh, visit that in context, then you can pull a lot out of that. That is theologically wrong because yeah. it's not just how you treat the poor or anything like that. It's really how you obey the word of God. And whether you're actually a disciple of Christ following those terms of obedience. So yeah, I don't want to go, <laughs> I don't want to lead anyone um, theologically wrong there. Uh, another verse is Matthew 13, 47 through 50. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore And they sat down and gathered the good into vessels and threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come forth, separating the wicked from the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. 
And then apparently Matthew 13 was all about um, eternity and judgment because it goes on with the story of the wheat and the tares. It says in verse 40, therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's more. Can I, can I say, oh, jump in real quick? Jump in, please. Something that just kind of makes me smile as you're reading that is, I, I love how Jesus says, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like thee. Because it speaks to, you're not going to be able to get how this is really going to go down. Yeah. Or like the, the actual working. So it's like thee. And he's explaining yeah. this because, and it just speaks to us putting our faith in what's important to him. Yes. And, and, and he's obviously he's t- teaching us spiritual truths, but I just, it just makes me smile. He's, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Yes. And I also want to, again, make very clear that we talk about good and bad. And I believe that society gets that view of good and bad from well, if I do enough good that outweighs my bad, then I'm good. Mm. Or if I do enough bad that outweighs my good, then that's not what the Bible sees. Yes, and that's, that's not true. how it, it it defines good and bad. Yeah. Good is defined by actually being a disciple and uh, having salvation of Jesus in your heart. Yes, I agree. I, I was going to say that's correct, but then I was like, that sounds weird. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> and bad is rejection of that salvation. Yeah. So, Which makes me think of in the in the end days, they're going to call good bad and bad good. Oh, yeah. That reverses it yeah. all. <laughs> <laughs> that could get very confusing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'll let uh, you no. continue. Um, Matthew 25 is the parable of the talents. Mm-hmm. And we know about that parable where the master was saying, here, here's uh, 10 shares and I'm going to go away for a while. And here's five shares. And then he gave the one one share and so as he came back the guy said well i invested it and i doubled your um i doubled your profit or i doubled what you gave me and he looks at the first two and he says well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful over a few things i will make you a ruler over many and to the joy of your lord and then the unprofitable servant who said i know my master is a shrewd man and he wouldn't want me to lose the investment so he just buried it he didn't even deposit it and didn't do anything with it. He says in verse 30 of Matthew 25, and he cast the unprofitable servant into darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm. And then the last reference, because actually we could just go on and on and on, but uh, is Revelation 21, six through eight. And it says, and he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and omega, the beginning and end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Oh, wow. And so, I mean, really... Some uh, some important stuff we're talking about. Yeah. And so when, when we talk about what the Bible says when we die, we're, we're going one direction or another. Yeah. I and mean, I think of Ecclesiastes nine ten that says, "Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going." Oh wow! And so, and I know there's that's the whole topic of Sheol and now and but yeah. but the the point is this is it. Yes, this is it. Um, 
Uh, even Psalm 146.4 says, When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Uh, once we die, our plans don't mean anything anymore. That's true. We got one chance. You got one shot. That's it. <laughs> Thank you, Eminem. <laughs> you but know, yeah. you mentioned Sheol, which is a perfect transition to where we're going next, because we want to ask, where do people currently go when they die now? And so there's some debate about where believers are now, and we'll discuss that. But Jesus gave us a story in Luke chapter 16 that you already referenced that gives us a glimpse into what comes next. And that is the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. And um, this concept is exemplified perfectly in this eerie parable of Lazarus and the rich man. It's a unique parable that some scholars believe could actually have been a true story. Have you ever heard that? Yes, I have. Because in other parables, Jesus never assigned names. Mm -hmm. This is the only time in a parable where he actually gave Lazarus, the the poor man, a name. And it's interesting because um, his is the Latinized form of Eliezer, which means God is my help. And I don't know if you've heard this, but the rich man is unnamed, but he's traditionally given the name Dives, which is Latin for rich. And so the story goes on that day after day, they live their lives about 20 yards away from each other. Dives lives in riches and luxury. Lazarus, he lives in poverty and destitution. And both die. And then this is where the story gets interesting because it says, and the angels came and they carried Lazarus's body away to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man died and was buried And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And so you're thinking, well, what does that all mean? Yeah. Because you hear Hades and Hades sounds like hell. Yeah. Because even if you're reading this story in the King James Version, it says that they carried the rich man to hell. Yeah. Which a lot of scholars have come out and said, that's not really that great of an interpretation. Yeah. So, well, in terminology is important too, yes. because I mean, even Abraham's bosom sounds weird to an American. <laughs> you does. know what I mean? Yeah, I so. have uh, I have a description. <laughs> okay. So, uh, let's talk about Hades yeah. for a minute, because the New Testament version of Hades is Hades, but yeah. the Old Testament version you said is Sheol, mm. and from what we learn about this story, that it actually has two compartments, and it has uh, a paradise side which is Abraham's bosom. But I like um, the New Living Translation actually says the banquet of Abraham. Okay. Um, The message says the lap of Abraham. And so I started to look in the word, it's kolpos. And what that means is that means like if you were wearing a garment and you kind of had like a, um, <laughs> you had like a baby bajorn, <laughs> okay, okay. you know, like yeah. where you swaddle the baby next to your chest between your arms, yeah, that could be a way to say it. Or um, I would like to wear hoodies, and I call my uh, the area on my hoodie that you can put your hands in to keep warm or keep your phone or whatever. Yes. I call it my roo pouch. Nice, <laughs> yeah, like, like a kangaroo. like a kangaroo. Nice, <laughs> and so technically, I'm adopting that. There you go. Um, technically, Lazarus could be in Abraham's roo pouch. Oh. Okay. You know, but what it was saying was it was like a place of safety, a place of comfort, a place of rest. Yeah. yeah. And bosom is just, it's an uncomfortable word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's for an American, especially. Yes, it's yeah. just like, what does that mean? What does that mean? So, <laughs> this but is I, America. <laughs> speak American. If he was carried to Abraham's baby Bajorn, I don't know if that's even yeah, better. That wouldn't be any better. So, <laughs> no. so I'm going to say Rue Pouch. Yeah. So, but what it was is a, a place that was paradise. Yeah. 
Um, later on, and uh, when there's the Jesus is on the cross, and he has the two thieves that were um, crucified with him. One was cursing Jesus and and kind of cursing his buddy, yeah. and the other one professes faith. And Jesus said, "Today you will be with me in paradise." Yeah, and we believe that. I believe this is where he went to meet Jesus is he actually went to Abraham's root pouch. Okay. And so on one side you have this paradise and then separated by a chasm. And that's what Abraham says in this yeah. parable is where the rich man is. And it's so, a place of torment. So with that, that thief on the cross, what, what there was some, there was some house cleaning going on for the next three days in the root pouch, wasn't there? Yes. That's yeah. a whole nother topic. That's yeah. just so, so intriguing. Okay. So or are you going to go there? I'm, I'm going to go there for oh, a minute. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. So right now you have a lot of people that talk about like Jesus went to hell and that's um that's a misnomer. Mm-hmm. He never went to hell because hell technically hasn't even come about yet. We we see that hell is not going to come until Revelation chapter 20 and Revelation chapter 21. Okay. And so hell doesn't exist. What what exists now is this current holding cell for those that are awaiting judgment. And we see that as the the lamb's judgment. The 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 final book is going to be opened. And that's not until that time. And so what we think and what we believe and what we see that the Bible teaches is that Jesus actually came after the cross to this paradise compartment of Hades, this Abraham's root pouch, if you will. Mm -hmm. And he actually preached the gospel. He preached about what they'd already had faith in, looking forward to the cross. And he said, hey, everything that you believed, it was true about me. And here's the gospel. And it says that he led captivity captive. And so my whole thought is that he ascended. And it says this, if you're like, well, where is that in scripture? It's Ephesians chapter four, verses, um, I believe, eight through 10. And so my personal belief is that Abraham's bosom, that holding compartment in paradise was actually used all the way until three days later when Jesus ascended and he led all of those Old Testament saints that were waiting on his his arrival, yeah. and he led them to heaven. Yeah, I, I tell you, the first time I heard that approach was about three years ago, or maybe a little longer. And so many scriptures, when I heard that description, just fell into place for me. Oh, wow. Because it makes perfect, you know, so Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days. The Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth. Yes. I, was that the Ephesians one? No. Okay. No. Uh, but yeah, that 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 scripture it, it it makes perfect sense that Jesus went down because we know that the, you don't get salvation in eternity through the law. No. Which is what they had. That's all they had. Yeah. The Messiah hadn't come yet. Yes. So that makes so much sense that he would go. And there's there's scriptures I believe in First Peter and several areas that just fell into place for me. That just yeah, that's it. Jesus went down there and he's like, y'all remember the prophecies? Yeah. I'm here, guys. This is what you all died kind of looking forward yeah, to. Yeah. Me. All of those prophecies, me. And, and I, you know, the minute he entered, whatever that looked like, they were like, <gasps> they were geeking yeah, out. They were yeah. like, look, this He's is here. what we were waiting for. Yeah, I yeah. thought I'd see him up there, but. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so, okay. Now the question is, we were talking about resurrected bodies. Yes. Um, <laughs> are these people up there disembodied kind of like spirits? Or do they have the resurrected body? We don't know. 
Yeah. Because a lot of people talk that we're not going to actually get the resurrected body until Jesus comes a second time. And first Corinthians talks a lot about that. And then also, uh, it's, First Thessalonians chapter four, because they have very similar scriptures. It says, now I say this brethren, this is first Corinthians 15, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the tweaking of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Nice. And so... So let, let me ask you, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, that's okay. Let me ask you, so when he says we will not all sleep, I know in a lot of other areas that speaks of dying. Is he speaking of our fleshly body dying there or yes. our spiritual sin nature and we're alive in Christ now? No, the, the, fleshly, the, the body. fleshly body dying. So he's saying not all of us are going to die. Because I think of the, it's appointed for every man to die once. Yes. He says we will not all die if yes. that sleep means die well and so how is, do you mesh that this is where you get to the rapture <laughs> you know which um a lot of people debate but yeah um at least the 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 group that i grew up in the yeah. denomination that i grew up in believed that there are going to be people who are alive at this time when jesus comes back yeah with a trump and that's more about what First Thessalonians four says is yeah. that in the twinkling of an eye, just bam. Well, yeah, but but I think both sides believe in the rapture. Yeah, but only one believes in the one. It's the timing of the, the rapture. timing. Yeah. yeah, so that's kind of I think it's a little separate, maybe. Okay, but at least the way I'm thinking of it. Okay, but yeah, no, I was just I was just curious about the sleep, the sleep word. So okay, that's cool. That's cool. Another basis for Jesus being in heaven, which we believe that he is, and I don't think he would leave his followers that he led captive into heaven um, in Abraham's bosom. I don't think that's like a escalator situation where they're going back and forth is actually Stephen's heavenly view that he had as he was being martyred for his faith by the Pharisees. Do you remember this story? Yeah. He had he had preached this amazing message trying to, to reveal to the Pharisees and the scribes using the law all the way through in Acts chapter 6. And he gets in Acts chapter 7. It says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And so this is more and further evidence that Jesus did lead that captivity captive. And in some way, shape or another, the believers there are with him. Yeah. I found this interesting and I don't know um, how much, I guess, basis it has because of the schools of thought. But it says that either the present dead in Christ are with the Lord in a spiritual body awaiting their final resurrection body, or because of the nature of timeless eternity, and this is gonna this blows my mind even thinking about it, they've already received their resurrection bodies because they live in the eternal now. Oh, which wow. that's a that's a realm that we don't understand too because yeah. they're in heaven there may not be that much of a of a clock whereas we are bound to time it's yeah and that's that's scriptural yeah. right there i mean that uh, 
we could obviously there's some gray areas to go into. Yeah, but yeah, there there's it, God's not bound by time. That's no. for sure. And and there is a consecutive way things work. But I I mean I, my brain yeah. hurts thinking about it. <laughs> One thing that just came to me before I forget it, too, is we're talking about these forms and whatnot. And just to prove the point that we we don't understand all of this stuff is I think of Jesus. Um, he's not supposed to come multiple times, like 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 four or five, six times. He's yeah. supposed to come. You know, we know he came once. We know he's coming again. Yeah. Yet he shows up in what they believe to be Christophanies and Theophanies. Yes. So there is forms. I believe that the, when the Bible says, you know, like we believe first coming and second coming, that's in a form. Mm-hmm. So that, that I just thought that just came to me. I'm yeah. like, there's different forms that some things work in this form and some work in another form. And yeah. I'm not. I'm in no means saying I understand it. But uh, I just thought about that. Well, you said forms, and I think of formality because, I mean, the way that he came in his first coming Mm -hmm. on the full of a donkey, and then the way that he's coming in his second coming on a white horse, which was like the victorious one, you know? Yeah. Well, in that that first coming, he was flesh and blood, fully man. Yeah. But in the Theophanies, he wasn't fully man. Yeah. One of those interesting things. I don't know. Yeah. we haven't really seen a Christophany since the New Testament. So, I mean, yeah, that's Paul might have seen him, you know. Well, if you have, right in. I'd like to know a little <laughs> bit about it. <laughs> we got some gray area here. We need to fill in some gaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, we just have to verify it. <laughs> I saw Jesus today. <laughs> he was on my toast. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. That's exactly where I was going to go with it. And, yeah. When Paul says that he saw a form of Jesus, we believe him because Paul saw some pretty amazing things. Yeah. And to, you know, not to even get into, can that stuff still happen today or not? We're just not even going to go there. We no. just, we're just going to have to say we don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. One more thing about just where our bodies are or what they mean. Uh, this this Christian, I love what he did. He He apparently had a pretty good sense of humor. He put this on his gravestone. He said, beneath this sod and beneath these trees lies the body of Solomon Peas. But this ain't Peas, it's just the pod, because the Peas shelled out and went to God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, talk about faith. He was like, that's it. So... I've I've heard of another one just off the topic a little bit. Is an atheist that died, and it says, "Here lies an atheist, all dressed up with no place to go." Oh wow! Oh, that got a little darker. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm laughing. Well, um, okay, can I use that as a segue? Yeah, do it. Because he had a place to go. Yeah, he did. And uh, yeah, ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when we talk about Hades having two compartments, you have the paradise side. But you also have the torment side, the the waiting room, where already we see that Lazarus, where already we see that the rich man dives, is um, he's in agony. Mm-hmm. You know, even then he reached out to Abraham. He saw him across this great gulf, and he said, "Have mercy on me." Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And uh, we find out that there's this great gulf fixed between them, and you can't pass from here to there. And uh, we, he says, you can't come to us, and we can't come to you. And, and of course, that's where he says, I beg you, send someone to tell my brothers so that they don't come to this. And what we find out is that this is a waiting room all the way until 
that great white throne judgment. And um, from there, everyone's going to be cast into Gehenna, hell. And it made me just ask the question for um, just theological sake, is hell going to last forever? And I wanted to give some verses about why I believe our souls are eternal, both the heavenly aspect of it, but also the, the punishment aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, Mark 9.43 says, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. And we know that's allegorical. Yeah. He's Unless you've got a real problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is allegorical. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, let's try that again. Uh, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. For it is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go to hell, where the fire never goes out. Yeah. And uh, the allegorical sense is like, if your right eye causes you to sin, then pluck it out. And Yes. But... The problem with like even your hands or your eyes is you're still going to remember how you sinned. And so I think, I mean, it's pretty clear it's speaking of an eternal state. Yes. There. Yeah. Uh, Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9 says, and to give you the who are troubled, he's talking to the believers, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. And then this is Revelation 21 talking about the great white throne. And it says, And I saw the great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Yeah. I mean, that that speaks of an eternity, doesn't it? It does. So we, we would never want to... I mean, for me, I, the way my mind works, I want to err on the side of caution. Yes. I, I mean, not, and I, I hate to even say it that way because what I believe is not just fire insurance. It's not just erring on the side of caution. No. It's something that I believe to be 100% true. Uh, I believe, therefore, I obey, yes. like we've said in the past. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's, I worded it weird, but yeah, you, you don't want to go to hell, guys. You don't. I mean, and, that's not something I'm saying to be funny. Well, and I remember, you know, growing up, you know, we're going to scare the hell out of you. And, yeah. and like literally that I've heard that before. And that that isn't the right way to think of things yeah. because heaven isn't it's not the destination. Jesus is the destination. Heaven's just where we're going to be with him. Yeah. Heaven's the gift, but Jesus is the reward. He's the prize that we're running toward. Mm-hmm. And there could be that person who's like, well, I'm scared of what hell could be like, so I just want to go to heaven. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna f- do the things. Yeah, that's well, and, and you know, I think I think of the scripture that the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. Mm-hmm. Fear, there there's a healthy fear to have because He is 
I mean, the God of the universe. Mm-hmm. And to think of the repercussions of, of not doing what his will is, there is a fear to that. Um, even as a growing Christian, there's a level of that that's healthy. But but I, I totally agree with you. It's not something... That's like a very base entry-level moment of leading to what God really is. Yes. It's not something you base everything on. Yeah. Well, and I think that fear mostly speaks to reverence. And I love our pastor. He talks about the ocean. The ocean is something that's beautiful and majestic. And I mean, I could just spend all day looking at it as, you know, the tides roll in and there's so many aspects to it, but it's also something that you should not take for granted. Yes. You know, you mess around with it and it will That's true. destroy you. Yeah. You know, you, you don't sit on that same beach when a hurricane is coming. <laughs> no, exactly. And you don't just swim out there willy nilly going, I don't fear you. Yeah. You know, cause it will mess you up. <laughs> heard of a riptide. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Even at its peaceful moments, that stuff can get dangerous. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think there is that fear of God, but it's not the like, Oh, you know, it is more of the reverent fear and, and yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the things that I thought about is just even in the old Testament, how many scriptures, um, referred to eternity and referred to heaven. And I was just thinking about David. Um, we read a Psalm just a few weeks ago in one of our podcasts, but I like the fact that David, even in Psalm 23 says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. I mean, this, this concept of eternity in heaven is not just a new Testament thing. I mean, it's been taught throughout the entirety of scripture. Yeah. And so that's, that's really um, the whole biblical basis is that you're, you're going to go one or two directions. And yeah. we'll, we'll talk about a third um, supposition here in a minute as we kind of get into other theories of what happens after you die. But those are the two main ones. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I would teach. Yeah. You know, uh, I'll just say the third one. That's purgatory. OK. And uh, I have some notes here on it. Um, I don't believe in purgatory. I don't think the Bible teaches purgatory. There are some people who think it's real. And and really, that comes from the basis of a Catholic belief. I was looking up some of the verses that kind of could um, insinuate it. But I don't think there's a lot of credence to it. And um it's it's a place that was for those who die in God's friendship that are assured of their eternal salvation and they still have um, need of purification to enter into the happiness of heaven. And I mean, if you talk about the doctrine of grace and the doctrine of um, Jesus's righteousness versus ours, there's not a lot of room to stand on. And I, I don't want to belittle any Catholics who believe in purgatory. I just don't see a ton of um, standing for it in the Bible. Gotcha. Right on. So, well, is this is this the moment where you uh, you take off the leash on my neck here and let me run for the for the rabbit hole, dude? You get the Red Bull injection right now. Okay, guys. So we're about to um, transition from the biblical to the more scientific here, and I hope I don't lose anyone with this. And Josh, once I get going on some of these, I, I'll probably be talking for a while. So if you need to jump in, just jump in, and sure. we'll talk about yeah. the different. So uh, one thing I'll just mention real quick, uh, life after death, there is a Dr. Stuart Hameroff, who's an anesthesiologist, professor at the University of Arizona, known for his studies of consciousness. 
And uh, Hamroff is well known for his theories concerning consciousness, and he's been quoted uh, making the point that biologists kind of have a tunnel vision and oversimplify our brains because they, you know, we're not even going to go there. That's whole evolution <laughs> thing. But um, some of the things that he suggests, uh, I believe, speak to the existence of life after death. And I'll just let you look him up because uh, to quote him would be to open a can of scientific words I'd rather not try to explain. Okay. So um, that's one guy y'all can go check out. But on kind of the same, um, same realm there, consciousness, life after death, I'm going to get into a Dr. Melvin Morse, who is a well-known physician and has published... Um, papers in peer-reviewed journals, so he's legit. Uh, Let me just go ahead and read this quote from Dr. Morse. My studies of human consciousness began with studying the near-death experience. From them, as well as the enormous body of scientific research done by my fellow scientists, I learned. Number one, conscious is forever. It pre-exists our human existence and continues after death. Number two, When we die, we enter into what Buddha called ultimate reality and what Jesus' disciple John described as, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Number three, meditation can access the same realm of reality. It can be just as transformative in healing. Number four, Modern technologies amplify ancient wisdom on how to use our spiritual brain to find the great soul within each of us and in turn live fulfilling, spiritually nurturing lives. Number five, spiritual neuroscience can teach us to train our brain's intuition into productive ways. All right. Some of you out there, um, for good reason, are bothered by what you just heard. So... Uh, The first thing I want to point out about this type of research, especially from unbiased scientists, is that their research is not based in apologetics, Mm. especially Christian apologetics, Um, meaning they simply observe this evidence and they have no choice but to consider the religious ideas that have come from all religions that speak of this evidence long before our modern process. So, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I believe that every religion that ever was is a branching variant of the original truth. While Hinduism is not the way to God, it can mimic and present certain spiritual realities. We saw this with Balaam, a pagan that had true spiritual insights even though those insights could not save his soul. He remained not right with God. Um, Deuteronomy 18, 10, and 11, God is adamant that his people avoid divination, witchcraft, interpreting omens, sorcery, casting spells, calling up the dead, like that old witch at Endor. I mean, these things are considered make-believe by many. But let me ask you this. Why would God instruct his people to avoid something that wasn't real? Mm. The point is, these things are very real. The evidence that has been stumbled upon is very real. And the variant religions are not false religions because they do make-believe things. They might be doing very real things, but what makes them false is that at the end of the day, they will remain lost in their sins, not right with God. So my point in all of that to say, and I am I am trying to follow a pattern here, yeah. um, is yes, there is some very eye-opening and creepy evidence that scientists and doctors are starting to accept for many um, ancient ideas. It's what moved an American doctor, professor, head and chief scientist of Astellas Global Regenerative Medicine, Robert Lanza, 
to write a book called Biocentrism. Now, this book comes to a completely false conclusion, I believe, but the whole reason that he wrote it was because scientific research led him to realize that there is indeed life after death. So just in case you're considering all of this complete and utter tomfoolery, let me just real quick go into some scientific realities that will send a tingle up your spine. I know it does me. All right. Hang in there with me, guys. <laughs> I can't wait. Quantum mechanics. Okay. Quantum mechanics is something uh, I want to touch on for a minute because it's in this field that we can see some eerie, very real evidence that peaks into the other realm, I believe. Nobel physicist Richard Feynman said this, I think it is safe to say that no one understands quantum mechanics. Do not keep saying to yourself, if you can possibly avoid it, but how can it be like that? because you will go down the drain into a blind alley from which nobody has yet escaped. Scientist Robert Lanza elaborates on what quantum mechanics has done for us. It is used to design and build much of the technology that drives modern society, such as lasers, advanced computers. But quantum mechanics in many ways threatens not only our essential and absolute notions of space and time, but all Newtonian-type conceptions of order and secure prediction. Lanza continues, the reason scientists go down the drain into a dark alley is that they refuse to accept the immediate and obvious implications of the experiments. So you just heard some really head-scratching statements from these modern experts, and also through these quote-unquote experiments, they have discovered some troubling yet highly suggestive things. I'm only going to get into one of those troubling things right here. Josh, have you ever heard of the devil's slit experiment? I have not. So, to those listening, what I'm about to explain here is what some might call disturbing. Um, others might call it amazing. I, I even read um, that one scientist took his life after understanding what this experiment meant. Oh, wow. He, he mentally couldn't handle um, what, what was being suggested. Okay. So, the devil's slit experiment. Isaac Newton believed that light was made of particles called protons. And that was the general consensus until the late 19th century when scientists started to think that light was a wave of energy. So those are two very different things. Yeah. Um, so in order to figure it out, they conducted this double slit experiment where they would send light through a barrier with two slits in it. And after that initial experiment, they added more barriers and adjustments until they came to the undeniable and mind-blowing conclusion that light can be both particles and waves. Here's the disturbing part about that. Scientist Lanza writes about light. Its wave function must have collapsed at our measuring device as it instantly chose to become a particle and go through one slit or the other. Its wave nature was lost as soon as it lost its blurry, probabilistic, not quite real state. But why should the photon have chosen to collapse its wave function? How did it know that we, the observer, could learn which slit it went through? Countless attempts to get around this by the greatest minds of the past century have all failed. Our knowledge of the photon or electron path alone caused it to become a definite entity ahead of the previous time. End quote. I, I don't know if I lost anyone during some of that, but let's, let's just sum it up with the keyword chose there. And yes, you heard that correctly. The light chose its form based on if it was being watched or not by a human. Um, you ever heard of the veil? <laughs> I, I, this is highly, highly suggestive. Um, this is not science fiction. 
the truth is stranger than fiction. And I can't help but think of Jesus' words in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Or what that means for us in Matthew 5, 14, we are the light of the world. Am I over-spiritualizing this? Perhaps, but perhaps not. At a bare minimum, these discoveries suggest some very real evidence that I believe points to another realm of realities. And will some scientists disagree with that conclusion? Yeah, there are a lot that do. But I'll say this, the cross is foolishness to those perishing. Some scientists will scoff at that conclusion, and some will understand it so well that they can't handle the implications. But some seeds will be planted in good soil, they will take root, and they will grow in this knowledge and be fed by the light of life. Mm. And I just, I find it almost, I mean, super eerie that it chose. I mean, if we're talking about particles here, particle physics. Yeah. This very, very... Um, have you ever heard of any of that, Josh? I hadn't. No. Well, you know, I was really surprised when I did. I was like, this is some hokey bull. <laughs> I don't believe a word. Of it. And I got to researching this. And I, let me tell you, it's, it is common knowledge among the, the scientists. If you Google it, you're going to find, uh, like I said, peer-reviewed journals and, and whatnot, where this is, this is something very real. And it's very, um, man, I mean, they even got uh, a place called CERN, which is in Geneva, Switzerland, where they're conducting experiments in these. I, I believe there are some very spiritual things happening where um, the veil, I don't know if it's because the end times is getting closer or what, but it seems to be overlapping with our reality. Wow. So that, my friends, that is some actual scientific evidence for, um, I mean, you know, look at that how you want to look at it. Just chew on it. So if they want to look it up, that's called the double slit experiment? The double slit experiment. And, and let me tell you, like I said, I only chose one thing to talk about because this would be way too long. Okay. So once they look into that, it'll open a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> yeah. That there's a lot, there's actual scientific evidence for this spiritual stuff. Well, you and I have joked about how this podcast is really literally a stepping off point to a yeah. ton of other things. Yeah, it is. It is. And so, we're not trying to get super paranoid normal but that we kind of go where it takes us yeah yeah and and honestly i'm glad it does take us there because oh, yeah. it it it's evidence for the supernatural is which is what god is yes well and i don't like the christians that do not like to talk about science mm -hmm. with god mm -hmm. because like you said at the very beginning of the podcast um, the, the Bible is, like, is yeah. God's words where science is God's works. Exactly. And it's not like God goes, we know like science. You <laughs> yeah, know? I believe in science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we believe that science harmonizes. We believe in science too. <laughs> yeah, with the Bible. And, yeah. and you know, you want to talk about evolution? We believe in evolution. We believe in microevolution, not macroevolution. And there is a difference. Yes. Regardless of what you've been told. Okay. See, we're going to be covering that subject here in the next yes. few podcasts. We've gotten actually a request to do that, and we're going to try to get to it as, as soon as possible. But um, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as our brains fully form again after this. <laughs> well, yeah. I know. I, for me, certainly, I'm going to have so, to have a, a cool down period. Yeah. 
<laughs> but that's that's as far as I really wanted to go down the rabbit hole for this episode because uh, man, you can get so bogged down. And I, I truly believe that it's while it's fun to grow, go in these gray areas, and there is evidence in those gray areas and whatnot. Um, we at the end of the day, we gotta we gotta stand on God's word because mm-hmm. we're no matter how much research we do, we're not gonna fully understand it all. Yeah, there's just no way. Yeah, we gotta trust in He who does. Exactly. Okay. Wow, that was pretty wild. Yeah. Um, okay. I think we'll just hit these pretty quick, but there are some other suggestions on what happens after you die. Um, one of those is something called soul sleep, or uh, this is a fun word to say. It's psychopanichia. <laughs> I, that's how it's, and that's what it's meant. And it's basically unconscious souls waiting for judgment where literally they cease awareness during that time where they're waiting for judgment. Is that like an anti-Catholic purgatory? I would assume so. I, I just, I found that I was like, there, some people even think there's a biblical basis for it. Some people think instead of going to either, um, the, the Abraham's rue pouch or even the torment side of it, they go there waiting for revelation chapter 21. Okay. And so they're gotcha. they're literally there sleeping, waiting for that book to be opened for the Great White Throne Judgment. And I just want to clarify that it's people that do not have salvation in their hearts that are going to be in the Great White Throne Judgment. It's um, Christians, believers who have followed Jesus and who have since passed or been raptured, you know, who have entered into eternity, they're actually going to be in what's called the Bema Seat. Mm-hmm. judgment, which is essentially all of their actions are going to be kind of looked at and refined or, yeah. or uh, it's talked about a lot in first Corinthians chapter three. Yeah. And then based on that, we'll <laughs> it's, it's basically determining whether you're going to be a king or a peasant in heaven. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> well, here comes another one of those. That's another podcast because yeah. we're going to talk about is there levels of heaven, yeah. which you just so eloquently said. <laughs> so, um, okay. Um, another belief on what happens after you die is you become a ghost. And I really didn't have time to give this any research. I, I know that we talked about, um, you know, Samuel, I, I guess you could say that he came as a ghost, but I also believe that, um, in those specific instances, God allowed that for a reason for Saul. And I just, I don't think the Bible teaches that ghosts are a real thing. I guess it would just determine on how much God allows it for other things, you know, yeah. in which we don't know. Yeah. And there's no, there's no guidebook for that one. No. Again, spiritual realms could be kind of a crazy thing out there. Have you um, ever watched any of those ghost hunter shows? You know, I, I, that stuff has always interests me and I have watched a couple, but I turn them off quick because it doesn't feel right. It feels yeah. really weird to me. Yeah, almost like I'm toying with something. No, I understand that. It, it it does feel like you're you're kind of messing with the I, wrong thing. You know, I'll research it on on with like long form. Yeah, but something about those shows just feels weird to me. Yeah, there's somebody on the internet that I like, and he actually says he watches a lot of ghost shows, but he'll break them down and he'll talk about the ones who especially are fake mm-hmm. because he'll show like all the things that they've done to actually. Um, 
ratchet up the tension and and um they have people in the background moving doors and stuff oh yeah i mean there was (laughs) i think it was new year's eve on a year where they actually um like history channel or one of those channels that loves those programs on their station uh we're gonna have this guy do 24 hours of programming where he was walking around a haunted house yeah and they ended up cutting the feed because it was so lame oh wow! and uh and he was working towards this thing but i think a lot of it was his own production so yeah. i don't want to take away from anybody's credence of saying that they believe in ghosts. I just, there, there isn't a lot of harmonization with the Bible on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those weird realms. We don't have a ton of info on. Yes. As you were just explaining that, I I was thinking of Whoopi Goldberg when she was surprised (laughs) to hear Sam come through the veil. (laughs) She's like, Oh, it's worked. Well, that's what, that's the woman at Endor right there where she, I mean, like literally she's going, this was not supposed to like, I say some things, you know, maybe it's the, the people who are really good at, they called cold reading where it's like, I'm seeing, um, I'm seeing the initial P or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, golly. Well, yeah. And like I said, I'm not saying that some of this stuff can't be, if you're toying with the other side and that's not good. Yeah, it can't be. But there's, I mean, maybe like Josh said, there's times that God just allowed it. It's not, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to throw us off there. Um, okay, so another one, and this is this is a deep one, and I don't understand it fully because I've never really looked into a lot of Buddhism, but it's reincarnation. Yeah. And coming across this, I found that um, Buddhists and even Hinduism believe in what they call the wheel of samsara, Mm -hmm. which is basically, uh, it's the cycle of repeated birth, mundane existence, and then death. And samsara kind of stands for like suffering. And it's this continuous cycle without beginning or end. And it's based on a karma system and that you're reborn until you reach um, what they call moksha, Mm -hmm. which is in the Hindu belief. And that's um, attaining uh, insight or uh, transcendence to nirvana, thus breaking the wheel. And so um, one value of uh, Buddhism is the value of uh, impermanence. They believe that all living things, all causes, all conditions, all situations are impermanent. And um, impermanence is the idea that all things disappear once they have originated. And according to Buddhism, impermanence occurs constantly, moment to moment. And this is why there is no recognition of the self. Since everything is considered to be in a state of decay, happiness and self cannot exist in samsara. And, you know, I was just, I was fascinated by this. So I was like, okay, so if you're saying that you're born and then you're reborn and then you live a mundane existence, they were saying that the wheel of samsara, basically you come back in six different states. Yeah. You can come back as like a, as a God or a demigod or a human. And then on the flip side, you come back as like an animal or like, um, the evil version of a demigod or somebody who's even in a type of hell. And I thought, well, that's fascinating because like you were saying earlier about believing that every um, belief system kind of spurned originally from um, bits of truth alongside misdirection. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to that. And so 
I, I was like, well, what happens when you reach nirvana? <laughs> and so when you reach nirvana, it says you stop accumulating bad karma because you've transcended yeah. and you spend the rest of your life and sometimes future lives working off the bad karma that you've already accumulated. And then once you have fully escaped the karmic cycle, you achieve peri-nirvana, final nirvana in the afterlife. And that's with the Hindu um, nirvana. Souls have actually achieved para-nirvana, are free of the cycle of reincarnation. The Buddha never specified what para-nirvana was like. In Buddhism, uh, the thought is that it's beyond normal human comprehension. Yeah. I, you know, as I've, I've looked in the past into Hinduism, and there are so many sub-beliefs within Hinduism. There's like, because Buddha's not actually representative of... It, it, there's so many ideas, yeah. and it's wild. I even found a, uh, I even found a parallel to the Trinity oh, in yeah. in Hinduism. Yeah, and it's just like, I, like I've always been intrigued that it's a bits of truth, you know, alongside misdirection. Maybe there's some spiritual realities to it, but it is not correct. Well, and if you know more about Buddhism than, you know, of course, Wikipedia and the internet says, <laughs> then please forgive me if I've, if I said anything wrong. I found this fascinating. And I also found that karma, um, you know, when you talk about Hinduism or Buddhism, a lot of people don't understand what karma means. Yeah. I mean, it is the difference between a really good life and a really bad life, you know, because... I've always thought about how um, you have the saying, what goes around comes around, yeah. you know, and you think, well, that's karma. And, um, you know, and we have sayings about karma in our society, but I didn't realize how um, good and bad the system balances in, in their belief system. And, you know, the Bible says what you reap, you will sow. Yeah. And a lot of people say, well, that, that kind of coincides with karma and in no way shape or form does it. They're not the same. No. So I just, I, it's fascinating. And again, you know, maybe for someone who's been a Buddhist or, or have studied uh, Hinduism that they understand this much deeper than we do, but I do not believe in reincarnation. No. And I would, I mean, just, just to add a little bit from my end, I I would, uh, and this might be another podcast, but I, I feel very strongly about because there's a lot of you'll see in a lot of Christian circles they'll do the meshing of these ideas yeah and let me tell you there that is a very dangerous thing to do to consider karma the same as you know you reap what you sow exactly. and, and there's a lot of other ones too yes that um I mean, that is really mixing some dangerous, dangerous things. It's kind of, you're stepping your toe into a a pool that you may not realize what the liquid is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I want to go into some of it, but I'm like, you know what, it's just, it's another podcast. Well, you were talking about um, maybe talking about yoga soon and i mean yoga you know i'm like stretching but yeah is it is it evil or nothing to sweat over (laughs) (laughs) i see what you did there well when i looked at it here i'm like oh i i think we have some stuff to talk about so that might that might be something we we visit um okay so you have reincarnation and then you have these people that are talking about like near-death experiences yep. and a lot of people either call them like out of body or um, maybe for them, that's like the, I went, I started to go towards the light. Yeah. And there are a lot of um, stories. <laughs> there are a lot of stories. <laughs> you know, I think there's whole podcasts yeah. and um, whole books and, and just 
whole corners of the internet dedicated to near-death experience stories. Yeah. I actually even found um, this presented as a fact, but after further research, I found out that it might be folklore, but it's a story of a philosopher named George Berkeley who was so obsessed with knowing what comes after death that he hung himself trying to trigger or synthesize a near-death experience. Oh, wow. That and, reminds me of the Flatliners. Yes, exactly. Yeah, those that movie where they, they keep going further and further. Yeah, trying to get a taste. Yes. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, and I mean, now, here's the crazy thing is there are some Christians who have come back with near-death experiences yeah. where they've said, um, you have that boy who said... Um, heaven is for real. Yeah. You know, he was a toddler and he came back and the parents say that he knew some things that there's no way that he could have known unless he experienced going to heaven. Yeah. And I don't know. You know, I'm a, I'm a very skeptical person by nature, especially when it comes to this stuff. There's a lot of, I've heard some testimonies where there was one guy who was like, and I, I died and I went to the Lord and I, I mean, he was using the tone and everything. I'm yeah. like, dude, I, I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and whether that's uh, right or not, I don't know on my part, but I, I'm a very skeptical person, but there are Christians that say they have these experiences, um, whether it be a near death or out of body. Uh, we know that Paul had an out-of-body experience, of, or maybe it was a near-death. We don't know. Josh and I were talking about that before the episode. Uh, some believe that before he w- or while he's being stoned um, in, was it Ephesus? Or I can't remember. I want to say it was Lystra. Lystra. Maybe it was Lystra. Maybe. Anyway, while he was being stoned, maybe this is when he got um, these things that he talked about, a man apart from his body. Uh, whether that was a near-death experience or an out-of-body experience, I don't know. But he seems to be describing something very, very similar to what some of these other Christians are describing. And uh, for me personally, I believe that they, that now putting a title on it, I don't know. I don't know that. I'm not going to put a title on it. But I know from my personal experience that there is some credibility to this. Mm. Um, I will not share my uh, experience. Something did happen to me when I was 17. I'm not comfortable sharing it, but I, I believe that there is some credibility to it, whether I, I, I do not understand it. I'll say that. Mm. I, I do not understand it. So... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, so you have a lot of people that said, you know, I've seen heaven mm-hmm. and, and I mean, Paul's one of them yeah. who says, I, you know, and, the third heaven. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And he's like, I'm a man who was caught up to paradise. And, and he, it's so funny. Cause he's like, there are things that I really shouldn't even be able to tell you. And, and yeah. I think he's like, I can't describe them. Didn't he say like it's unlawful for he me? To d- speak? He did. He did say that. And and but, when, but what does that mean? Exactly. You know, terminology and all that. Yeah. Well, I laughed because I mean Buddha said it's beyond human comprehension, and then yeah. Paul's like, it's not even allowed for me to say. Which maybe when he was there, they were like, just keep it on the down low. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't. <laughs> kind of like when they told Daniel to eat the scroll, or, <laughs> or was that Daniel? <laughs> that was uh, that was John. Oh, that was John. That's right. In Revelation. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Eat the scroll. And I mean, so you have Christians that say they've been to heaven mm-hmm. and some of them get pretty disproved because of inaccuracies yeah. and, and, you know, but then you also have a, a man who said he spent 23 minutes in hell yeah. and his story is very, very scary. 
I mean, some of the things that he describes and what he went through. And, and he, at the end of his story says, even if you don't believe me, mm-hmm. then look at the, like, look at the biblical evidence for hell. Yeah. And he says, weigh for yourself. And so, I mean, I, I truly believe that God made our minds and our consciousness is very powerful. And I think that while we talk about hell being below us and heaven being above us because of the way that it talks about um, in relation to us, I also think that heaven could be in another dimension all around us. Yeah. And maybe that veil, maybe that, that wall gets really thin at times when we're kind of making that connection. I remember um, a friend of mine was in the room of uh, Jeremy Camp's first wife. And they just had a movie come about this story. I had not seen the movie, but she was, they were in the hospital room where she was passing with cancer and they were singing. And of course she's on pain medicine. And of course she's in a lot of pain and she's about to pass, but she opened her eyes and she had been, she'd been basically unresponsive and she opened her eyes and she said, I'm no longer in any pain. Jesus is here and he's calling me home. Oh, wow. And she said, I see him clear as, clear as I see you. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what that means. Yeah. You know, you don't know, is it the pain pills or is it just the euphoria of saying, okay, I'm laying down the cares of this world and I'm moving on? I believe she saw something. Yeah. You know, I have a, uh, I had a Down syndrome uh, uncle uh, named Chris that I, he was like a brother to me. I was raised alongside him like a brother. And uh, towards the end of his life, he died when he was 33. But the last uh, last year of his life, he, he started changing and his heart started failing. And like the last weeks of his life, he, something changed in how he was looking at things. And, and he, I knew him so well. Like this type of character change, there was something going on in the, even up to before he died, he was, he had a piece about him Mm. that was very, it was just weird to observe as an outsider. Yeah. But I believe that he was seeing God slowly thinning that veil towards him. Yeah. So I believe those types, you know, is there some false stuff? Yeah, um, there is. Yeah. But I, you know, I believe that. There's a pastor, um, you know, he, he's been in the room when some people have passed and, you know, one of the things that I know he's said in the past to offer hope is that the, the prayer is that maybe Jesus is there when you're passing, you know, as a believer. And he goes, you know what, we're closer to my house than we are to yours. Let's just, let's just go, you know, and I, I, I can't give any credence to that, but I think that's such a neat idea, Yeah, you know, is that God is, he's our peace. He he's with us even in the darkest of times. And I can't imagine a darker time than being ushered into eternity. Yeah. And so I don't, we don't know, you know, when we won't know until we take our last breath. I do want to say this about near death experiences is a lot of them, I think possibly happen as the body is still clinging to life. You know, the, the brain can live on and the heart can be restarted for like four to six minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's, um, and you were saying some of this, but I mean, there is electrical activity, um, yeah. sometimes for a little bit after that. And so who knows what's going on and, and we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I'll tell you, look, look into that Dr. Stuart Hameroff for, for some of that. Cause he goes into, he said, there's something very different. I don't know if it's connected to your soul or what, but yeah, yeah 
that's that's some really intriguing territory. Yes, yeah, and I think maybe as that as you get closer, maybe that veil gets thinner, that tether to what's beyond gets a little stronger. I I don't know. Yeah, we sound. I I know I sound like a little kooky, but <laughs> yeah, I I don't see that being unbiblical necessarily. I think Paul was like, listen, I'm so close to death. And yeah. and he, I love that he, even he was like, okay, for me to live is Christ mm-hmm. because I'm going to be here, but for me to die is gain. Yeah. And he's like, I want to go home. Yeah. You don't know what I saw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that's the thing is he was like, whether I'm staying or not, mm-hmm. I'm going to do the best with what I've got. But he's like, I... I'm not going to be naked when I die. He's like, I'm going to be further clothed. Yeah. And and that's what I love is that some people, they talk about, you know, heaven is, is an unknown, Yeah, but this is the shadow. That's the reality. See, that's, and that's another intriguing, even on the scientific side, this, yes. this is the, uh, this is the fake that we're in. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, this is the, the temporal. This is, yeah. the, you know, this is the. I don't know the. It's, this is the pre, the. Uh, I've heard it said a certain way by a scientist before, but uh, the preview and that's the main attraction. Is that no? Oh, okay, like uh, like this is a projection. Oh, <laughs> like Chuck. You know, no Chuck Missler goes into a okay. lot of this, and there's yeah. some actual weirdness to it. Yeah, but um, you know, I wasn't. Were you? Um, I had something I was going to add. At oh, the go end for here. it. I wasn't planning on on sharing this, but I just got to thinking. There's never going to be another podcast episode that w- this would fit. So, um, you know, when I w- in 2007, my house burned down, and uh, while I was in it, and I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, "Oh no!" So, oh no. <laughs> a long story short, uh, I went and karate kicked barefoot and in boxers through the window and uh i severed my hamstring in four different places uh my i, I was cut up in my arms the glass did a number on me mm-hmm. anyway i made my my way around the house and um i was sitting on the tailgate of my truck and i remember uh and i found out later i was about to die because the doctor i blacked out after this the doctor told me i lost um i can't remember how many units he said it was but he's like you shouldn't be alive wow and I remember, and I don't know if this was just my mind, uh, the loss of life, making your brain do stuff or whatever it was. But I just remember this weird presence as I looked at the stars. And I was there on my back looking at the stars with just complete blood gone out of my body. And I just remember feeling this this strange, someone is looking at me right here, right mm-hmm. now, face to face. And I didn't see anything uh, other than blacking out soon after, but I, I remember feeling this weird, weird uh, mm-hmm. presence. I believe that was God. Yeah, I, that I don't, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like when we're reminded of the fact that we're human and this life is short, it actually does a lot to to sober our hearts to not just be so. Um, like caught up with the things of this world, yes. you know, to be uh, just all about being entertained or being um, satisfied. And it's just like, when we focus on the fact that eternity is rushing towards us, it just gives us a better perspective. I, I know um, Solomon says it, and it's a little bit more eloquent than this, but he says, it's better to go to a funeral than to attend a barbecue. And he said, it's, it's more life-giving for you because when you go to that funeral, um, it reminds you that life is short mm-hmm. and there is that sobering thought. And I think it leads us to dwell on our, on our, 
existence and it helps us. And especially when you're, um, if you've ever been in a car accident or where things got real, I mean, you have that pretty, like, I think blatant moment of, um, clarity of going, Oh, "Oh, wow. I was, I was moments away from stepping off into eternity or off the precipice of life. You suddenly realize nothing else matters, but what's fixing to happen. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So, All right. Well, I think we covered it. I mean, I know we kind of opened some doors and said, here, just (laughs) jump in. But um, do you have some, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, You know, no, not as far as information goes. Just um, we, like you said, in a nutshell, we, we kind of skimmed over it all, but I would just say um, you summed it up well there, Josh, just heaven's rushing towards us. Mm. And, and I would say, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. And we probably won't until it's our turn to take that final step. But I do know that based on what God's word tells us is that we need to be prepared. Do we know with assurance where we're going to go when we die? And God's word says that we can. It's through Jesus. Jesus is the only way. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the only way. And then Jesus has already paid that way. Uh, Ephesians chapter two says it's by grace through faith that we are saved. And then we are washed through his blood. You referenced this verse a few weeks ago, Isaiah 118, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That's the beauty of the gospel. Our ticket to heaven has already been purchased. We just have to pick it up by faith. And we actually have an assistant helping us along the way who is the Holy Spirit as we go to get that ticket. Yes. And so that's that's what we are placed on this earth to do is to know Jesus because he is the way and then to just walk with him as he leads us and, and follow him. Yeah. And Jesus tells us, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And that's yeah. John five twenty four, And that's what we stand on, guys. And if you don't have that assurance in your life, man, today is the day of salvation. Yes. Uh, now's the time to make that, that move because once it's lights out, um, we don't get that chance again. That's right. This is a one-way trip. Yeah. You know, it's not multiple. We don't believe in reincarnation. No. So no. this is what you get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this this is even the greatest time to pull out John 3, 16. Yeah. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Mm-hmm. And that's the question is, do we believe? Do we have Jesus in our hearts? Yeah. You know what the only thing scarier to me than seeing people blatantly reject Jesus is? Is the ones who think that they know him and don't. Oh, no kidding. And so I just encourage you to do a heart check. I think of Matthew 7, 21 through 23, that says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know what's so interesting about that verse? It says, he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And you think, wouldn't the will of God be prophesying in Jesus' name, casting out demons, and doing many wonders? 
You would think that, right? Mm-hmm. You know what God's will for us is? Is to know Jesus. Yeah. And if those things happen, then they happen as a byproduct of knowing him. Yeah. But that's the scariest the thing. The only way we are right with God is the mediator who is defending us exactly. before God. Yes. And that person is Jesus Christ. Yes. Uh, we don't have any other lifeline other than Jesus to God to explain the groanings of our soul, to explain our forgiveness, our, yes, he did this, but my blood covered him. Exactly. That is Christ. And once we receive him, his righteousness, which is perfect, becomes our own. And that's the only way into heaven because we say this so many times, if we were to go off based on our righteousness, it would never fly. I'm getting goose pimples. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> it's, so, it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Okay. So according to what the Bible teaches, you're going to go one of two directions. Yeah. We pray today that direction is towards Jesus, towards heaven. And if you're listening and you're going, man, I've either made that decision or I want to know more about making that decision, we want to talk to you right this moment. So stop what you're doing. Look us up on Facebook at Snakebird Podcast or come to our website at beasnakebird.com and send us a message right now because eternity hangs in the balance. And this is not a call now. You know, this. Yeah. that's not this. This is about you. And this is about you knowing a holy God who died on a cross for your sin and my sin, and that he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. No, no one. Mm-hmm. It was only created for the devil and his angels. And yet all of a sudden here, we see that because of our sin, we could end up eternally separated from God. But that's why Jesus came to pay for that sin. Yeah. Whether you feel like you have a choice or not, you do. You do. Yeah. So... Uh, please contact us and contact us with prayer requests. Contact us with maybe you've had some great news about what God has done in your life. We'd like to hear that. And if Snakebird is making an impact on you, please let us know that as well. Yeah. One of the great ways y'all can um, to share the Snakebird podcast, obviously social media with your friends and family, but uh, something that pushes us out there, guys. If if you can, it'd really help us out if you give us a, a good review and a five-star rating if you deem us worthy. Um, if I said some things that were not correct, please uh, reach out to us. If you want to hear more about stuff we skipped over, reach out to us. Yeah. We just uh, encourage you to connect with us and um, help get the Snakebird podcast out there. And forgive us if we misspeak. Um, a couple weeks ago, I said that this guy wrote a book and he is a Christian author, but it wasn't the guy. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're listening to that one, I said Philip Yancey. Yeah. His name was Philip Keller. And so oh, okay. we say things and we're like, oh, yeah. anyway. So just stay with us. We've got some more really great content and topics coming down the pike and uh, more um, Snakebird profiles of characters in the Bible that are super interesting. So um, again, if you want your topic to be heard and spoken into, then let us know and we will get to that as quickly as we possibly can. Absolutely. So like, subscribe, and share. We would really appreciate that. And Yay. that is the, uh, <laughs> that's the YouTube version of basic. So, yeah. um, okay. So snake birds always remember whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to follow the words of Jesus, knowing where you're going to go for eternity and, and be a snake bird. bird.